based off of my knowledge, uh, the Tower on Rurel, surprisingly or unsurprisingly at this point, is located underground. Let's go over the next few steps of your plan. The item impeding the tower happens to be uh, Mavin's counter. Theoretically, uh, this should power down the counter for about one minute, which should give me enough time to raise that tower. You, you said you're gonna force it up. Do you need those pills? I, uh, I do need the pills for that. About what time are the dwarves going to be showing up here for, uh, after work drinks? About, uh, 30 minutes. What would I have to roll to figure out what that eye is? Um, you would have to take a quick, like, an investigation check. Yes, Miss Money Penny. All right, all right, all right, well, must away. As soon as you fail your wisdom save, you are polymorphed into a rabbit. Look at Little Bun Leaver. I'll say power off in dwarvish. In a few seconds, all of you now are jolted towards the tower. As Cass's group is raising above the ground, uh, you see him begin to laugh, a hideous laughter, as he uh, disappears uh, into the sky. Welcome to the tower. flying through the air now, um, approaching the tower, you all get very close to it, your aura is burning bright, and as you enter the tower, you're all greeted by darkness. Each of your auras shine bright in this seemingly endless abyss as you're pulled ever forward. Eventually, you are spit out into a small basin. You all begin to swim towards the surface and emerge into a dimly lit cavern. The walls are lined with various jutting rock formations, some of, some of them are made with the same material as the tower, and some are made with just bedrock. The room seems to be about 30 feet by 30 feet, 900 square feet for our more detail-oriented listeners, full kitchen, heat, master bath, only 2,000 a month, including common charges. What a steal. So the depth uh, of the water that you swam up from is about 10 feet at its deepest, and the ceiling extends upward for an additional 40 feet. Stalactites hang from the roof and are made from the exact same black material as the tower. So you all emerge from the uh, from the basin now and stand uh, to look around the room. The wall to the northern side of the cavern looks a little bit more refined than the others. A grand-looking door has been carved into it with intricate designs presenting what seems to be a faceless figure sitting in a lotus pose whilst being encircled by countless other faceless beings inflicting harm on one another biting heels, stabbing backs, choking one another. The door, like the black uh, material, is is uh, decently reflective like a mirror. As you all emerge from the water, just to recap that, Cass also emerges from the water and looks like a wet dog. He shakes the water off and walks around as if inspecting the cavern. Avil begins to back float in the reservoir, looking incredibly pleased with himself as he seems uh, to be excited that he hitched a ride with Nash who moments later emerges from underneath Abel, toppling his peaceful pose, and she stomps out of the water, looking much more sober than she did before. Uh, Abel, you look a lot more relaxed than when you were a few minutes ago, I must say. Uh, well, I'm a, I guess you could say I'm a little surprised, but uh, nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary with Cass around. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'm rolling with the, I'm rolling with it. Does he do this daily? No, maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure. Cass, you do this daily? And he, like, Cass is promptly just, like, looking at the wall, and he's like, no, 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 I don't. So, uh, what is this place? This looks like a, like a 900-square-foot basin of some sort. Lovely real estate. Breathweaver, stop joking around. We're in a tower right now that gives magic wishes. <laughs> Nothing but wishes. But it might You see be- Cass kind of turn around, and he's like, yeah, you, you've, uh, you've got it pegged there. Uh, we are, uh, definitely inside of the tower, Ah, just as they said it would be. I would also like to climb out of the water. All right. Uh, so you you climb you climb out of the water. You start dripping a little. Dust myself off so I'm dry. I'm gonna get up and do the same. All right. So I assume pretty much everybody's gonna dry off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So y'all y'all walk around and Cass is kind of just like manically seems to be inspecting the wall, uh, with the design on it and kind of looking looking around. Uh, to see, to see what it is that he needs to do in order to progress at this point. And he, he's just looking. He's like, oh, they said it would be around here somewhere. 
as he starts poking around towards the bottom of the uh, of the wall looking around and at this moment elagos you kind of see some movement coming from the back of the cave uh elagos is gonna go over uh to where it is okay so elagos you kind of go back to the um the opposite side of the cavern the back of the cavern you peer behind one of the rocks and the only thing you're able to see is just a small fog that seems to be rising just above the water and as soon as you see it it, it disappears can i roll perception to see if i noticed uh elagos going over there sure go ahead roll perception um a 12 plus 3 a 15 Yes, you're able to see. Uh, you're able to see Elagos kind of just like swimming around towards the back of the cave. Elagos, what are you doing over there? You gotta take a leak. Just do it in the water. That. I'm glad I got out of that. Yeah, I don't think that'll be very sanitary. Uh, Elagos is gonna go to check to see what uh, Cass is doing. Promptly, Abel also exits the uh, the water because he's not entirely sure whether or not you were taking a leak. <laughs> Wait, did Elagos just not answer my question? Uh, so Cass is kind of inspecting the the uh, the door and like the bottom half of the. Uh... What is Nash doing again? Oh, Na- Nash is just like sitting on a nearby rock. You see, she's taken off her yellow jacket that she'd been wearing as like she's trying to put up her curly hair uh, because it's just getting all in her face, and uh, she ties it in behind her head in a bun. Uh, but that's currently what she's doing. Cass is inspecting the door. So if anyone wants to go over there and take a look at that, feel free. Is there strange writings on the door? I don't know. Go look. <laughs> uh, Wilhelm's going to walk over and see what's up. Okay. So you and you and Wilhelm walk over to the door to go ahead and take a look for strange writing. So I'd like uh, either one of you uh, to roll an investigation check. Uh, Can I intimidate it instead? That's better. No. What I'm going to do is going to walk up to this door, cast guidance on myself, and then roll investigation. I assume that's okay. kosher. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's how that works. So you go ahead and you cast guidance. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, uh, hmm. question actually. Oh no. Yeah, sure. Is it like a stone door? It it is it is made out of a dark material, not his dark materials, but like <laughs> kind of like a rock. Yeah, it's a rock. It's it's yeah, it's a rock. Would I be able to use stone cunning? Cause that's a th- this never this never comes up. I what is know. that? <laughs> that's like a dwarf thing. Uh, stone cunning is a is a thing that dwarves have. Where what it, is it intelligence or history? Let me check. Fuck. Because if I'm if, I, if I'm actually able to use this, my god. Are you gonna like shake down the door or something? No. Like what do you like? You're just gonna walk in like what are your secrets? As he starts like licking the door. <laughs> so oh, the door of the tower. Tell us your wisdom. <laughs> The, the, the stone door doors. <laughs> oh god! I, I so, apologize. I have to look this up, up because I don't entirely recall what it does. It's the bane of dwarves. Actually, while this pause here, um, did we take a long rest? Uh, you guys are under the effects of a long rest. You, you guys have rested. All right. So, stone cunning is whenever you make it an intelligence history check relating to the origin of stonework, you. You're considered proficient with his proficient with his the history skill, and then you add you double your proficiency bonus. So, Ooh. um, yeah, I'll I'll let you since it's not going to be necessarily a history roll. I'll let you double your proficiency <laughs> bonus. I'll let you double your proficiency bonus for the purposes of making the investigation check. All right, so I rolled a three. Uh, double proficiency <laughs> bumps me up to a seven, <laughs> adding a D four. A nine. Yeah. Uh, yes, so the doors. Wilhelm looks really hard at the door, and he like he like he's he's peeking around. Uh, you notice that it that most certainly the door is made out of black material. It is one hundred percent a rock. Uh, and third, third, third and most foremost, it is uh, it looks exactly like the glass that was below you in the arena. Can I take a look at the door now? Yes, you can take a look at the door now. It's not just a boulder. It's rock. Ooh! I'm even better than Wilhelm. I rolled a two. Oh my. So far. 
<laughs> now you can double your proficiency bonus because of stone cunning, and then you no no you, you look at the door, and both of you just like immediately it's like it's like the orb of confusion from SpongeBob. You just got just you guys just like uh, at the door. I think I see myself in it. I look great. You do you do you are you are able to see yourself in the door. Uh, whether or not you look great is up to you know DM perspective, but uh, <laughs> then. Uh, Cass kind of just like peeks around towards the bottom right hand corner of the door and he says ah there it is uh, and he begins to look at what seems to be inscribed writing that is written on the door but he looks like he's having a little bit trouble translating it as he's just like seems to be scratching his head Andrew Teresa May walks over <laughs> <laughs> can, can I go inspect this door and see what Cass is looking at sure you kind of just like peek over Cass's shoulder like what you doing there like trying to trying to see what's going on yet and you see uh, that it's written in a very odd language you're not too familiar with, but immediately because special eyes gets translated. What you're able to read out loud is the following. Klatu barata niktu. No, I swear, I knew it was an N-word. Uh, but a burning fire sparked by desire to cling to past wrongs or forgive them, prove your yearning to us or cast them aside. These are necessary to pass. Is that a Johnny Cash lyric? Uh, so I'm going to type it out for you guys. This is the part that Vin types out of the... Eh, At least commit to singing it. <laughs> this is the part where... Wait, I forget how it goes again. This is oh my fucking god. This, this Poorly. is the part... <laughs> this is the... This is the part of oh, something, something, something. He used, he used stone cunning. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what you guys see inscribed. This really does. Uh, the lyrics really do seem like a like a Ring of Fire style verse. Oh God! There, it's eleven nine eleven uh, eight. I think. Eleven if you wanted nine to count the eleven syllables. eight. Been too soon. Yeah, syllables. No. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Back to back to oh not God. that. Uh, all right. So you walk over to Nash. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh So what, what do you want to do? I walk over and I see that she's looking like a little bit better. I say, "You looking a little bit better than in the bar? You feel a little bit more sober, Nash?" As sober as I'll ever be being dunked into water after being thrown into the air. How about you? How are you holding up? Uh, pretty good. I got swimmer's ear, which isn't great, but... Oh, I hate that. So I'm assuming you got someone to watch Mina, given you came with us? From what I understand, she was still in a ball pit, so I think Larry's got that one and we'll kick his ass later. But, yeah, he's he's dependable enough. Good old Larry. Yeah, great guy. Totally doesn't make food out of orphans. But yeah, uh, besides that, this room looks kind of weird. And uh, what's up with that door over there? I heard uh, I heard your buddy over there talking out some some inscriptions or whatnot. And she kind of just like jumps off off the rock uh, and starts walking towards. She's like, you know anything about this? Yes. Oh, really? What What do you know? I'm always uh, I'm always down for some curiosity here. Well, if you're really down for curiosity, I shouldn't say anything. You'll keep being curious then. Fair enough then. And she walks over uh, to you, uh, Ander, and she kind of just, like, puts her hand on both you and Cass's shoulder, and she's like, so what do we got? Well, uh, Cass, the bottom right part of the door says, a burning fire sparked by desire to cling to past wrongs or forgive them. Prove your yearning to us or cast them aside. These are necessary to pass. So Cass just, like, kind of sits there for a moment and he's just thinking he's like yeah i got up to i got up to uh to burning fire uh but i'm glad you seem to be so capable of translating this uh so that's definitely that's definitely a plus uh, and he starts to think about it. he's like bang past wrong he's like i don't remember any of this uh this was not in the details as he starts to just like pull out uh like he just like looks into his uh into his pouch looking for the, seemingly some sort of information, but just coming up with nothing. Uh, but a, as for now, he's not entirely sure what's what's going on with uh, with the, with the room at the moment. He's not sure what that inscription could mean. Uh, can I pull out that baking book again? <laughs> uh, sure, you can pull out the baking book. I see you're hungry all of a sudden. 
I'm gonna flip it open and try and flip through the pages to see if I can find anything that would help us with this phrase. Okay, so you go ahead and you look through the book uh, as you keep on flipping through to look for something specific about this phrase. Um, you don't seem to see anything that would correlate to this, at least specifically. You believe that uh, the actual journal was not taken into the tower uh, with a with um with prey so there's nothing there's nothing here about this but as soon as like you're you're flipping through the book Cass kind of reaches out and um he kind of like touches the inscription as if to like see what like if, if there's like anything that like needs to be done magically or whatnot and begins to attempt to detect what's going on and as soon as he does um we're going to well not roll initiative that would be terrible so as Cass's hand touches the door uh, the sickly white aura that you saw Elagos when he was entering the tower flares from his body and onto the door. The ground shakes momentarily, and the door projects the aura into the water. And he kind of just, like, shoots up at this point, and he's like, what was that? that? You guys saw that, right? That wasn't just me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that wasn't just you. All right, then. Uh, and... As the aura is projected into the water, it starts to light up, and then it dissipates. And it kind of turns into a steam, almost like a fog, on top of the, uh, on top of the basin. And it starts to creep along the walls and onto the black portions of the wall that is made of the same material as the door. And after a few seconds, you see bubbles rise from the basin, and a dwarf, seemingly made from the aura, uh, emerges. And he looks incredibly plastered uh you guys steal a glance over at Cass, and his face is seemingly well it seems to be emotionless he stares at the dwarf with vacant eyes almost resembling the surface of the undisturbed basin from before and as more of that aura starts to pour across the walls and creeping out of the water like steam you be you begin to see images form and they seem to look like ruel uh reflecting inside of the um on the black portions of the wall. And then these images seem to start playing on the walls, uh, visions of Cass uh, with picket signs outside of Sector G, him arguing with city officials and police officers. Uh, and Avil and Nash uh, kind of watch this, the, these images on the wall, and they kind of have dejected looks on their faces. You can tell that they've seen this before. And then the drunk dwarf uh, looks upon the images on the walls and laughs, and he says, It would take the rentings of a convict seriously. And then he takes a swig out of a large flask. And more images flash onto the, onto the walls of a younger cast stealing money and then running back to a wooden shack to a drunken woman. Eventually, the younger cast is a bit older and is being arrested. And then an age-appropriate Cass is being locked inside of a town prison while cops walk away with the keys laughing uh, as they break a a couple of picket signs over their knees. And then you look back at the real Cass, and he smirks, and he's like, Well, I, uh, I think I know what that inscription meant, as he begins to grind his teeth against each other and his fists clench. Did, did you get arrested for picketing? Protesting? What do you think? Is it illegal to do that here? Well, apparently, if you buy off enough cops, it is. What were you protesting? Drunken labor. Drunken labor? Yeah. Uh, Improper business practices by the dwarven guilds in the city. And the uh, the the white dwarf starts to uh, starts to cackle a little bit from the other side of the room, and you can see him just like watching the images almost in like in a hilarious fashion. Uh, so, as that begins to happen, Cass walks over to the white dwarf, and as he does, you can see his right hand fingertips begin to glow like a sickly yellow color, and. From behind the dwarf now, uh, you all see in kind of a flash of golden light, a woman, a slightly older woman's visage appears, and it looks very similar to Ro. Uh, and she stands there and stares woefully at Cass, and he stops for a moment, uh, and then she disappears, and then he proceeds. And once he's close enough to the dwarf, he kind of raises his hand, and he's like, no one's going to mind, right? No. What? 
I don't even know what you're doing. What is happening? He's about to steal oh. Andrew's gimmick. Well, uh, I don't know Andrew's gimmick, but then he jabs his hand, kind of like a knife, into the dwarf's throat, and it dissipates uh, into a white smoke. And then he says to you all, one of you asked me what my wish was back in Larry's, is that right? Yeah, but I believe so. Is it to kill all dwarves? Ha! Well, now that's a nice thought, Breathweaver, but no, my wish is not to kill all the dwarves. I have... And he stares at you, Elgos. Much bigger plans for my wish. But after all, it is a wish, right? Maybe I will indulge myself in a little bit of revenge. And then as the white light from the dwarf uh, in the room collects itself and flies back to the door, a small archway is formed. So Nash shrugs and goes through the door. Avil looks back at Cass uh, and then towards the door, and kind of sighs, and he walks through as well. And then Cass walks over to the door, and he's like, well, catch you at the top. Uh, and then he also enters through the white door. And here I thought we all had to prove ourselves as I walked through the door. You were bounced from the door as you tried to go through, Breathweaver specifically. Hmm. Does someone else need to prove themselves worthy? Well, I guess I'm not worthy, so not me. I mean, I'll try to give it a shot. Okay, so you attempt to go over to the door, uh, Wilhelm, and you kind of put your, your hand near the inscription like ca- like Cass did. Uh, and as you do, you kind of, uh, your aura stretches onto the door, and before it seems to shoot out back towards the water, it you see very faint images of gnolls uh, on the wall, and then it, they just disappear. It doesn't seem as if you have enough of something to, in order to power your aura through this door. I have a hunch. Sta- try standing up straighter then. Elagos is gonna go up to the inscription and put his hand on it. Who? You? Yes. My name is Elagos. Okay. So, uh, I did, I, you said you put his hand on it and I'm just like, wait, whose hand are you putting on it other than yours? Uh, but, so, Elagos, you go over and touch the door and it begins to glow blue. Uh, and the door kind of lights up in a similar fashion, and it shoots a blue aura into the lake. And then moments later, a gruff-looking knight happens to emerge. He has a beard that looks like it's made out of steel wool, and a scowl that reminds you of a cobalt. The walls begin to show images of Elagos uh, training uh, his sword and fighting in sieges. He seems happy, but certain portions of the wall show him being mistreated struck down or sequestered from the rest of his paladin group. And then the knight speaks up. Good times, huh, Elagos? And the same image from your dream sparks across the wall of Hector, the knight standing in front of you, trying to kill you on an ash-laden battlefield. You know, I heard you got exiled recently. Real shame. Yeah, the, uh... The order isn't the same without us, it seems. (laughs) And then he crooks his neck upwards to reveal a large gash underneath his beard. I didn't even have to kill you to get rid of you. The Grandmaster who liked you so much did it for me. And now everyone's out to get a little bit of you. All because of me. Elagos is gonna, like, start walking towards the night. Okay. So as you begin to start walking towards the knight, does anyone want to like call out to him at this point? See what he like, see what's going on, or are we just gonna watch this happen? Uh, does Wilhelm still have that giant bag of popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Elagos, as you walk closer to Hector, you see from behind him uh, a larger being, another knight that's glowing silver, whose intense glare peeks into your very soul. It's the Grand Master. He simply stares silently and firmly at you, and then he fades away. Hector, I can never forget what you did to me, or to my friends, the people who supported me. Trash. But I want you to know, I am sorry for what happened to you. And then you see Hector kind of just like uh, look at the wall, and you all see now Elagos's, uh sitting down in one of his uh, essentially guild halls, and Hector, 
uh, the man, the knight that's sitting in front of you, is kind of drunkenly uh, walk, like walking towards him. And then you see from the wall, it starts to begin to play sound a little bit, or you're able to see it, and you see Hector walks up and he says, You f- spawn. I can't even stand to look at you. Take a walk outside, won't you? And you see the two of them rise, and a couple of other knights kind of follow them outside, and it flashes it flashes away inside of the wall, and then you see Elagos and this gentleman kind of doing a uh, essentially like a fencing duel outside. And Hector is seems to be a very, very drunk, and his footing is all off. Elagos is kind of going easy on him. And then in a slip on the ground outside... Elagos accidentally cuts off a portion of his uh, his neck. And then you see uh, the gentleman fall to the floor and begin to start gasping for air. Elagos uh, then seems to have a distraught look on his face, although it seems to look a little bit happy. And then the scene flashes again to him being exiled by the larger silver gentleman uh, who was seen behind the image before. And then it begins to f- it begins to fade away from the wall, and then you see the current Hector, the one that is inscribed in blue, uh, look over at Elagos, and he's like, "So you're going to forgive me, even after all the trouble I put you through, and well, frame essentially getting you to kill me, and then have you knocked out. Is that right? I don't know if it's right, but." If I destroy you, then I'm no better than you, and I, in the end, all I'll do is prove that you were right. <laughs> I knew you were useless. And then he kind of fades away back into the, uh, back into the water. And as soon as that happens, the light in Aura shoots back over to the door uh, and creates another door, but this one uh, is bathed in blue light. Okay, Elagos? Yeah, that's just, uh, something I haven't really had to deal with for a while. So, uh, should we, should we keep going, maybe? Yeah, I think we should. So everybody goes to the door, and then it closes behind you. So just to give you guys background, this is happening uh, as soon as as soon as Cass and crew walk through the door. After Cass, next to the mist was Nash, her wiry frame charging through with the force of a bull. She smiles slyly at Cass. She's enjoying this too much, he thought. She goes through life like a wildfire in a field of brush. Ava leaps through, and Ava is the one trying to keep her from burning the place down. Avil shoots a glance at Nash, their eyes briefly meeting in an understanding tempered by years of friendship. Cass, um, Avil broaches, fumbling for the words. Nash jumps in, suddenly stone-faced. About what we saw back there, it isn't what Ro would want, for you to hold this hurt with you. Is that what this is about, Cass? Revenge? Avil says sternly. By the time Cass turns to his friends, he's forced a smile into his cheeks. He holds eye contact for a bit before looking at the wall behind them. You're thinking too small. It's a wish. It can do so much more than you could possibly know. Nash scoffs. You'd be surprised. I know a lot, Cass. More than you, I'd wager. I've only ever seen you looking at this one book. You should really branch out. Well, I'm sure you know far more than me, Nash. Well, I'm sure the demon you've invited to stay with you does. What does it mean to think of your new friend, by the way? You have told her, haven't you? Nash's eyes narrow and roll over red. Don't act like you give a shit about our lives now, Cass. You only ever care about yourself, and that's all you'll ever have. Her fists clench and her faint red aura rises around her before fading, as her eyes return to normal. Everyone calm down. Nash, Cass, we're all friends here. I think we're just a little on edge. Cass, because we have no idea what this place is. We have no idea what you're even planning. Avil's right. No platitudes this time. Tell us the truth. Cass paces towards the opposite end of the cave. He lets out a short laugh. Truth is, I was sent here on a job. 
he says, beginning to light a torch. A job? You have to be kidding me, Nash says in disbelief. Yeah, Cass. You know you're going to have to give us more than that. What's the job? Who hired you? What are you even getting out of this? Well, you can consider this an audition of sorts, for some jobs to come. Who hired me? Well, the truth is, I have no idea, he says, eyes flickering in the torchlight. And what I'm hoping to gain, he looks at each of them for a few seconds. What I'm hoping to gain is something I think we all want. To bring Roe back. Avil stares in shock and Nash barks at him. Well, then what's with the theatrics? What's with the beating around the bush? Lead us to where we need to go then, Cass, and then make the wish and let's get out of here. I can't. What do you mean you can't? I mean, this tower won't allow it. Avil scans the tower interior with a careful eye. Um, Cass, if this tower can't grant that wish, why are we here? What can it even do? Cass stops for a moment and then announces, I do this job here, right now, for a contractor, and they can help bring her back. Avil calmly asks, And you believe them? Cass looks around, stretching his arms wide to encompass the whole tower. Pretty big fish you caught, Nash says. No, this, this tower, they told me how to raise it. They predicted what was inside, they took control of the police, and for fuck's sake, they somehow even knew that the damn tiefling was going to be in jail. Whoever these people are, they've been right about everything so far. That should be enough to tell you they're legit. How are they doing this, Avil asks. Nash answering before Cass can respond. It doesn't matter, Avil. If what he says is true, and they can bring Roe back, they can bring Roe back. Well, are you two with me? Nash and Avil nod at Cass. So here's the plan. Walk into the club like, what up, I got a big cock. Pretty much. Uh, so, walking through the blue doorway that Elago spawned, you find yourselves at the mouth of a wide hallway, its black, jagged throat yawning out of sight. The dark stone emits an eerie glow that bathes the room in a hushed light, and a deep sense of dread rises in all of you. Here, in this tower, you feel an inexplicable sense of energy. There feels to be magic everywhere, it's in the air, the moss, the rocks, the wind, the darkness. And then you feel it in you now as well. A reserve of power inside each of you beginning to overflow. You feel invigorated, imbued with an unconquerable strength and fortitude. You feel as if fate is but a word and the future is yours for the taking. But the rush subsides and the energy vanishes and only you remain. There's a draft coming from its depths, dense and damp as a cup of Larry Stale mead. And now that sense of dread starts returning. There's palpable hostility in the air. Shards of black stone jut out of the walls, seemingly angled at any who exit the door behind you, like spears gripped by towering soldiers lost in the shadows. As you stand here, feel free to take a look around. Roll some perception. Anyone else feel like they just went on an emotional roller coaster in like two seconds? Yup. Ain't it great? Also, sorry to kill the atmosphere, but my normal mic has stopped working, so I'm going to be using the built-in laptop microphone. Hopefully it doesn't sound too 1930s, but, uh, yeah. Sorry. Alright, then, I'm, I'm gonna roll perception. Nat 20. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like I need to roll it. Right. roller coaster uh, won't stop. This <laughs> right just don't stop. They don't stop coming, and they don't stop coming. <laughs> oh my good god. It's all the stone around us. Oh my god, it's literally it's literally all of the rocks. His stone cunning is procked. Like so Wilhelm just like hops into like this crab like position and just like stares around looking for anything. So Fed to the stone and he hit the ground running. Oh my god. So as you peer deeper into the sides of this chasm, you see ten worn down pedestals, atop which stand nine stalwart yet deformed figures. Each one is slightly different from the last but all of which seem to be of the same make. They are unmistakably automatons, worn away by time and left here to let rust climb up them like moss. Dents litter their holes from the falling rocks above. And that's what you see. What is like the light source in this room? Like, how are we seeing this? 
So you're able to see pretty much everything in this room, like in a very hushed glow. So the stone that is coming from around you is kind of emitting like this eerie, eerie, like low light. But if you had some sort of a torch, you'd be able to see a little bit better, but. It's like a black light. Yeah, it's like it's like a black light. Kind so of. the the uh, those Wilhelm's pants just have all these stains revealed on them. Like, now. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, just a little bit. Like there's so, there's some there's of no that. There's no goblins around. Th- yep. There's no goblins. It's been quite a while. Uh, I mean, probably Anders' pants would be the one with like a bunch of stuff towards the back. But like, we're, we should be good right now. Like, there's there's not a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for br- bringing levity here. Um, I'm going to. You said they're like automatons, right? Yes. Uh, and there are how many? There are currently nine atop ten pedestals. So there's like there's ten there's uh ten pedestals there, but only nine. Is one just like straddling two of them, like in a power stance? No, no, one <laughs> of them is empty. <laughs> it just has really big, wide legs. It took it, it was so big it needed two pedestals. No, but one of them, uh, one of them is just empty. It's not there. Uh, do they mm. say any? Uh, I don't know about the role for this, but like on the pedestals in front of the automaton, is there any writing or anything? Uh, so if you'd like to go ahead and make like an investigation check. Um, an 11, one second plus a 12. Okay. <laughs> a 12. Yeah. So you, you kind of like take a look at them. Now these are towards the sides of this cavern and there's like kind of like a, a larger hole toward, towards like the center and you're, you're about, you're pretty far away. You can't get close to it. You're trying to investigate it, and pretty much what you can see is you're looking at one of them, like the one that's closest to you, and it looks like a large egg, like almost as if an egg had been given very thick limbs, likely for the intent, you believe, of deflecting strikes uh, and delivering crushing blows, kind of like a pile driver almost, uh, that essentially kind of arcs around its ovular torso. You, you roll that investigation, you're unable to see. There's no writing there. Anything that could have been or was written on this pedestal has been faded away by time. And as you take a closer look at it, actually, from the ceiling, you hear a small, like, uh, a small crunch and a release, and a rock actually smashes into this egg-like structure. And one of the automatons actually falls. Uh, this one that you've been looking at, it falls in, into the pit below. Why did you do that, Owl? I can't control when rocks fall. <laughs> Breathweaver can. Uh, but th- this is, uh, yeah, th- there's nothing there that would give you some sort of indication of, like, w- what on earth would have created or made these. But you see that they-, they seem to be, like, fairly advanced, yet very, very old. May I offer you an egg automaton in these trying times? <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so I can't figure out anything about these guys. Seems like... There's not really any information about them. I'm, should we just keep going? I mean, we don't want to let Cass get too far ahead of us. Yeah, I've got a bad feeling about whatever it is he's planning. I don't want him to get out of our sight for too long. So as you as you look around, uh, you're, you're also able to see the only stable-looking structure in this cave seems to be a staircase, and it even seems to be on the verge of collapsing as sizable chunks of debris seem to tumble down it, uh, causing new cracks and holes to appear. Anyone want to go first? Well, I think we should keep going. Like Elga said, we don't know what Cass is up to, and it's probably not good. So so you're volunteering to go first on the stairs of death. I think that's what he said, yes. I mean, let's have the fattest person go first, because if we can support him, then we're fine. I look at Bill. Oh. Well, I'm pretty sure Ghoul is the fattest one here. No. <laughs> Do you none? That's honestly offensive. Do you none? That's offensive to changeling culture, honestly. Well, we don't I gain mean, weight. Uh, if you want me to, uh, I guess, take a bullet or whatever, I, I'll do it. What's a bullet? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Is that thing you used to... Is that a drink? Well, I'm, well I mean, there, I know that there are big monsters called bullets or however the hell you pronounce it. But uh, let me rephrase. I, I'll take arrow if need be. In, in need? You took an arrow to the need? stop i mean i am still an adventurer so i do not entirely know oh my god stairs go please i'll go behind you wilhelm (laughs) okay so we're gonna make some sort of conga line with wilhelm first who who wants so it's wilhelm aul i'll go next all right ander (laughs) i'll go after ander 
Alagos, and then... I'll take the rear. All right, so Breathweaver takes the we- the rear. Perfect. The weir. So as you guys kind of walk a little bit further into this this tunnel, you see, the, you see now fully the staircase, and you begin to climb it. So <clears throat> as you ascend the stairs, you gaze below to a blackened pit that appears beneath it. Its shape seems to form the gaping maw of a beast who has been starved and broken. The room feels as if it's alive, but just barely as if it has been wounded and is on the verge of death. Continuing up on the shambling staircase, Wilhelm, you kind of just like are giving yourself some good footing. I, I'd say like make a... You, you have stone cunning, right? Yep. Give it a good tap and just see like what's going on here with this staircase. Like if it's good for everybody to conga line behind you. 17. Yeah, you, 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 take a, you take a step onto these stairs. It feels fairly stable. Like if you started jumping up and down on it, you're not sure what would happen, uh, but... <laughs> Like I'm Shrek. What the fuck is Shrek? Vin, by the way, I don't know if it matters, but I actually got I actually got a um 16 out of 17. A 16 out of 17? It's almost a perfect score. No, no, no. I'm I basically <laughs> fucked up the math, so I got a 16. Oh, okay, okay, that's not that bad. I mean, same same idea. The DC was a little bit lower than that. So as you guys go up your conga line, I mean, Wilhelm juts his leg out to the right to do the first kick. Everybody follows behind, and then you guys do like a little shuffle. And Elgos pulls up. out a sword and goes, "Prepare to beat Mistra in hell!" and chops it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So as you guys continue to go up the shambling staircase, I want Breathweaver, since you're taking up the rear, to make a quick perception check. Okay, so I don't have my dice today, so you won't hear anything from me. Well, we'll definitely hear um, stuff from you. Perception. We'll hear stuff from you. We just want to hear your dice. Uh, I didn't mean to roll that with advantage. Let me re-roll that. <laughs> Let me uh, change my settings. This is the part that I will cut out. All right, you know what? I'm going to roll a d20, and you just apply your modifier. No, I got it. I got it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you just ready? roll the fucking dice. Roll. He got a nat one, everybody. He got a nat one. Oh. Did you get a nat one? He did. Yes, he did. I also rolled persuasion the first time accidentally, but you know. Alright, so Corley attempts to tell you, uh, Breathweaver attempts to tell you all that everything is fine. Uh, so, as you walk forward onto your next Hang step, on, Breath- can I, can I roll insight to see if I believe him? No. <laughs> you don't get, you don't get this. Breathweaver oh, no. had his chance, and he tried my patience. So as you walk forward onto the next step, Breathweaver, you look around, you're like, this is a really nice cave. I don't know why some sort of head, like voice in my head is describing it as to be so creepy and disheveled. And as you walk forward onto this next step, you kind of like feel like a a slight trip as you like trip on on the staircase. And then you hear this like crunching sound. But to you, it sounds fairly pleasant. Uh, everybody else does indeed hear this uh, crunching sound because I assume most people's passive perceptions are over ten. Uh, and uh-huh. you hear this, you hear this, um, you hear this like crack. I think Elagos would turn around at this point since he's just very curious about what the Breathweaver is doing, and you see a black stone heading down from the ceiling to attempt to hit the staircase, as a stalactite seems to have come loose. Oh boy. As you look up to look at the stalactite, it, it is hurtling now towards the staircase like a guillotine headed for a convict's neck. Rock! <laughs> Rock! What are you guys gonna do? What about music? <laughs> Get up the stairs, everybody! Get up the stairs. Blast it! So as the uh, stalactite collides with the staircase with a large crash, the steps seem to sway like an ocean at high tide and then the collapse begins. Step after step seem to drop into the maw below at an alarming rate as you all begin to race up towards the plateau in a mad dash. I want everybody to roll dexterity uh, dexterity checks to see oh, what they're going to do. Uh-oh. 18. 13. Can I do acrobatics? Sure. Same thing. 13. 13. Okay. So, Wilhelm, you can flavor it. Uh, I, I, I picture this as Wilhelm doing the, the Joestar secret technique. Oh god. What is that? Describe it. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um He's running away. Basically just running <laughs> the fuck away in a very open out there. <laughs> the secret technique. 19. I got a 22. Okay. So pretty much everybody is able to get up there. Like, what if we roll a one? Well, if you roll a one, that's gonna be that 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 would be bad. And then other people would have to make saves. Uh but you guys are able to successfully pass my DC and you you're able to get to the next room. So as your feet collide with solid ground, you take one well-earned sigh of relief. The Reaper will have to wait just a little longer. Any trace of the stairway behind you is gone. 
subsumed beneath the chasm you cross like a ship lost to sea. You walk to the edge of a cliff in front of you and stare in awe, an impossible emptiness, a cavernous cylinder hollowing out of this tower. It must stretch from bottom all the way to its top. At your eye level, barely above the darkness, is a massive platform in the center of the cylinder, made to look small from its surroundings. It's cast from metals you can't quite place, seemingly suspended upon a complex system of gears, each interlocking with one another and climbing up four sturdy shafts. It barely sits above the darkness, supported by a mass of intersecting girders that rise below it from unknown shadows. Elegos, you glance over the edge of this cliff, down into the abyss, and wonder what things have been lost to it. Who else made it inside this forgotten place? Seen what we've seen. Only to end up in this nameless chasm. Only to end up nameless in time as well. How many fell for this tower to rise? Staring into the black, you remember what your order once was what it once stood for, what it used to aspire to be. Roe once told Cass, we shouldn't mourn who we were, but who we won't become. There was a chance once, Elegos, for you to lead your order into a new era, for you to never have been exiled, a chance to usher in change to the only family you've ever truly known, a chance to wear Helm's armor with pride without having to hide the markings of your god. Things should have been so different. You could have been better than you are now. But take solace, Elegos, in knowing that you're better than who you were back then, and still can become better in turn. It's with that you turn to your party, a group of people who belong to no one but each other. Sure, they aren't perfect, that much is obvious, but they are more than what meets the eye. You've fought alongside them, you've seen how they handled the odds stacked against them, and you've seen them rise. They don't see you as a tifa. They see you as a paladin. They see you as friend. They see Elegos. And with that, you feel encouraged. It was at this point, Elagos realized that it had been nearly two minutes since he'd said anything, and the rest of the party were wondering why he was staring off into the distance. Exactly. <laughs> so, Elagos, if you'd like to address your party, feel free. Uh, he's just hes just staring. There's like a loading symbol above Elagos's head. Uh, Elagos, huh? you good? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, there's a lot on my mind right now. And, uh, listen, guys, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to us here. It's probably something bad. But I just want to say, you know, thanks for sticking with me. A lot of people I know wouldn't have done that for me. Yeah, I, I know you haven't always had it easy, Elegos. You've had a hard life, but your heart's always in the right place. And that's what matters most. So I'm glad to have gotten to know you. There are many people who give up too soon. It's your devotion, despite the odds that you have to think, not us. It's not every day you see a blue tiefling paladin and somebody who doesn't want to kill me, so that's really nice. I, uh, th thanks? <laughs> well... It, the the way I see it, it like, I'm sure I'm sure shit will be rough up ahead, but like, I, I'm given all of the bullshit we've already been through, I, I I think we'll be fine on going forward. So don't we we should not have to worry. And listen, we got five against three. I like those odds. Well, let's let's not turn this into a bloodbath if we can. I, yes, we can resolve this peacefully. I still hope. That's. Well, I'm kind of surprised to hear that from you, Owl, but that's awesome that we're on on the same page. You mean the changeling who's never killed anyone before? <laughs> that's the, <laughs> the one guy with no deaths on his hand. That's, that's a fair point. Looks at Ander. I still don't believe that. You see Ander with a fireball charging his hand? He's like, oh, you said peacefully? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, oh wait, wait, you, you mean it's like he pulls out like a little spell book. He's just like, yeah, guys, just prepping some prepping some spells. And he's like writing. It's like, do not kill Cass. Like underlining the not. It's in capitalized. No. Meanwhile, Elgos is thinking back to all the times that they've been in, in combat and remembers like remembers uh, Owl being the one like the gnolls in the dungeon, uh, trying to like get them into like strategically disadvantageous positions and he's like 
you know, he was responsible for a, for some violence, but he's right. He never actually killed anybody. He's like he's like the Manson family. Who looks Oh my god, then there's another flashback, and it's almost immediate. You see, like, rock music playing, and it's just Ander in the background with the quarterstaff, like, stabbing Raggy and his dog <laughs> to the thing. Like, Eldrick Blast actually popping off, like, cops' heads blowing yeah. up, and just, like, Ander madly cackling, like, <laughs> in the background. And it's just like, huh. Elvis now has, he ha he's rethinking his opinions of both Owl and Ander. And they're kind of switching places. <laughs> Wait, Owl just wanted to sell gongs to the gnolls. They were the ones who did not like that idea. <laughs> they were not game for the gong. Oh, God. Just see Ander behind Owl as I'm trying to make my sales pitch, just shaking his head to them like, don't do it. I want, I want to kill. <laughs> Ander want blood. <laughs> this whole time has been the mastermind of every fight. <laughs> oh my god, he's been controlling you from the shadows. Ander's the big bad for this campaign. He's just like, death. Death to everyone. Alright, well guys, we should probably keep going. Uh, there's no telling how much more tower we need to cross before we catch up to them. And as you say that, and everybody kind of just like looks for the next passage through this tower, you, Elagos, you check out your party, you see that they're all looking at the same thing. You followed their eyeline, looking out into the emptiness, and you see what they do. On the platform of this great lift is Nash, Avil, and Cass. And as you stare across at them, you see that they are staring at you. On second thought, maybe there is telling. Thanks for listening to this episode of Good Job Adventures. If you like what you just heard, be sure to let us know by rating the podcast on your preferred listening platform. For questions about the cast, business inquiries, or if you want to know the secret of eternal youth, Contact us at goodjobadventures at gmail.com. For everything else, follow us on Twitter at GJAdventures. Be sure to tell your friends about us, or your enemies, if we're not picky. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.